Hello and welcome to episode 40 of ON The Saints. I'm your host, Patrick Serlis. With me this evening is my co-host, Jack. Jack, how are you doing? Not bad, thanks, Pat. There's um, tears all over the place in the UK at the moment. Quite literally, tears and (laughs) tears. Exactly, both. Both, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad, thank you. Um, Don't want to make you feel jealous or anything like that, but just played a round of golf. Um, which is, yeah, a far cry from tier one, two, three, and four, which unfortunately it sounds like you guys are back under lockdown. Yeah, thanks for that, mate. Really makes me feel better, actually. <laughs> Sorry, no, I do feel bad saying it um, a little bit anyway. Um, but we are, this is a Southampton podcast, so let's chat Saints. We've not been in this position many times this season, fortunately. But tonight, unfortunately, we're talking about a defeat for Saints, a 1-0 home loss to Manchester City at St Mary's on Saturday. A few talking points to discuss. Danny Ings' injury being one of the main ones, but also a suspension for Oriol Romeu. VAR, of course, it wouldn't be a Premier League game without a chat about VAR. Um, our general performance versus Pep's team and a couple of other bits and pieces. Chelsea play West Ham on Monday, but at the time of recording, we are sixth on 24 points from 14 games. Fantastic return. Word of the week is obviously perspective. It has been for the last couple of weeks. Um, We're in great shape. One point above Saturday's opponents, Pep's Pep's Man City. But after back-to-back wins over Brighton and Sheffield United, we've now taken one point from admittedly tougher games at Arsenal and home to City. Jack, obviously a disappointing result on Saturday, but what did you make of the overall performance? Yeah, just just to go back on what you said then, I think the games against Sheffield United and against Brighton gave us you know, a little bit of leeway in the Arsenal and City games. It's a shame we only got one point, but there were some good performances there. On Saturday, um, I thought we played well. I thought we had chances, especially in that first half. I know, um, well... Walker had that decent shot. They got parried out just past things on another day. That falls to him and that's 1-0. Adams has got to get his head on that cross from Walcott. And you know that could have been 1-0 Saints. Yannick had a few headers from, from some corners. Um, and a potentially penalty shout in that first half as well when um, Diaz clattered Ings. So, you know, obviously we went in 0-0, well, went in 1-0 down, sorry. But, um, you know, easily could have got a goal in that first half and it could have been a different score. So disappointing result, but I thought there's positives there. What about you? What did you make of it? Definitely. I mean, uh, very positive, actually. Uh, in the aftermath of a game, you kind of you go on social media and, and, and it's easy to kind of be sucked into, into the negatives. But I thought focusing on the way we played, we were playing against a team... Uh, that have spent a hell of a lot of money assembling that squad and we went toe-to-toe with them. Um, I thought it was interesting that obviously we beat them during Project Restart, uh, 1-0, Che Adams' goal, and, and this week we've lost 1-0. But I think we played better on Saturday. I think Ralph no, said that as well, didn't he? Yeah, Ralph said that actually, and I would agree with him. Um, let me just find his, his quote somewhere. But um, to be honest, he said, to be honest, we played a much better game than last season when we won 1-0. We've made a lot of progress since then. Um, we saw a top game on the pitch today. And I think we did. We went toe-to-toe with them. It wasn't a case of enduring Project Restart. Obviously, we won 1-0. We scored that absolute screamer from 40 yards. But it was a backs-against-the-wall performance. I mean, Jack Stevens and Jan Bednarak had the games of their lives back then. Um, and we got the 1-0 win. On Saturday, we went toe-to-toe with them. We pressed them from the, from the front and from the start. We made it uncomfortable for them. 
Uh, and I thought overall it was a fantastic display. Unfortunately, we just weren't able to get that goal. And I think if a City fan would scoff at the notion we deserved a point. But as a Saints fan, I think we we could have easily gotten a point there. Um, and, I, and I don't think it would have been undeserved if we'd come away with with a share of the of the spoils. But the thing for me was disappointing to concede that goal after 16 minutes. Raheem Sterling, what did you make of the defending? Um, well, I mean, it was obviously a long ball from from Edison, wasn't it? And we've put a lot of emphasis on how Southampton press teams and it just was disappointing just to have one long ball to undo us. But I think it was a, maybe a bit of a disappointing header from Bednarak in the first place. You, you hope if you've got that much that much time to watch the ball onto your head, you can potentially pick out you know, your defensive partner or a midfielder, but he picked out a City player. Um, but I think the issue was that we just pushed so many players forward. So we just were really exposed. Kevin De Bruyne had dropped in deep, which meant that Vestergaard had to follow him. There was that massive gap behind, which was the issue. Um, and then from there, it's just, you have to praise Kevin De Bruyne's movement to get the ball on the right-hand side and pick out Raheem Sterling. There's nothing really we can do there. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you, you, when you're playing against those kind of top teams, I know we got beaten with a long ball there. But when you're playing against those teams with with Edison and with Stones and Diaz that can play with the ball at their feet, it does make that pressing game a little bit more difficult because it's one or two passes that they can pick that some other teams can't. That mm-hmm. does unlock you. So I think that's that's the, the danger of playing those teams. It is. And it was, a, it was a classic Man City goal in a sense of once De Bruyne got into that position, the cut back to Sterling. I mean, they've scored so many goals like that. It was just what was disappointing was the build-up before. And you said that. Man City signed Edison because he's fantastic with the ball at his feet. And they can beat teams press with Edison being able to pick out a pass, uh, 40 yards, 50 yards. But in this case, he just pumped it long and they picked up the second ball uh, and they stretched us and we were kind of struggling to catch up in midfield. I thought Gineppo was caught very high up the pitch. Bertrand, I think, not one of his better games, Ryan Bertrand. I'm not sure whether he's just kind of out of gas um, having played so many games in a short period of time and he is getting well, in his 30s and it becomes harder as you get older. He looks very, very leggy to me, even towards the end of the first half and especially down into the second half. He's not getting forward anywhere near as much as he as he used to. Um, so yeah, to go 1-0 down, disappointing. We had a few opportunities, as you said. And then the big talking point, I think, from a Saints point of view in that first half was the was the penalty shout for Ings. What was your take on that? Well, it doesn't affect the header, in my opinion. The header's gone. Um, but what I think Danny's anticipating the contact, isn't he? He's anticipating the contact. So that might affect how much he goes into the ball. And it is reckless at the end of the day. His foot is up near his head and he does clatter into him. I was... You know, I don't think it's one that's 100% a penalty every time, but you, if you're a City fan, I don't think you can have any complaints where your defender goes in with his foot to the attacker's shoulder, doesn't get any of the ball and clatters into him. What did you make of it? Yeah, I mean, probably going to be unpopular for Saints fans, but I didn't think it was a penalty. Um, I thought it would have been very, very soft if, if we'd got that. Um, I understand the argument that anywhere else on the pitch, you're probably getting a free kick. Um, yeah, you are, but- aren't you? Definitely. You are, and I, I get that. But I just think, at the time, I didn't think it was a penalty. And then watching back on the replay, I, I wasn't particularly convinced. I think, as you said, he gets the opportunity to get the header in. Um, it is clumsy, really clumsy defending. Don't get me wrong, I would have loved it if Mike Dean pointed to the spot and 
with ref, with Mike Dean, you absolutely do not know what you're going to get from one minute to the next in terms of his decision making. So could have easily pointed to the spot, but I wasn't I wasn't convinced there. Um, got worse for Danny, unfortunately, with the hamstring injury. Quotes um, from Ralph after the game at the time concerned that it was was a knee problem. Obviously, just come back from from five weeks or so out with a knee injury. He goes down again uh, on Saturday. And you could tell straight from as soon as he went down, he, he knew. He, he knew basically. He knew how much. And it's it's very very easy with the benefit of hindsight. But having said that, three games in six days for someone coming back from an injury that, let's be honest, has had the label of being injury prone in the past. Do you think it was wise starting him and Adams up front, considering the fact that he played? against Sheffield United from the start and also Arsenal? No, in one word, no, it wasn't. <laughs> I think, you know, you can say with the benefit of hindsight, but like you said, he's out for five weeks, an injury-prone an injury prone player. I think you, in one of those games, you have to start Adams and Walcott and you have to bring in, we've got options in that attacking midfield position. You can bring in Gineppo, Armstrong, Redmond. You, I think you, you push Walcott further forward and you don't start Danny, maybe for the Arsenal game or maybe for the for the City game because a little bit too much. And I, I, same as you, as soon as he went down, I was so worried that it was near again. He looked mm. you know, a bit resigned to the fact that he was coming off. It was just a quick nod to the physio, like that's me done, wasn't it? But, yeah. um, you know, I think it's, it's obviously, a, you know, a bit of positive news that it's not the knee, but hamstring is still, you know, you're looking at a month or so, aren't you? Yeah, you're looking at a month or so at least, I think. Um, best case scenario really is three weeks or so. I mean, we've seen hamstring injuries all across the Premier League. I watch a lot of NFL as well, and it's the same problem there. Players just being pushed to the max without really training. It's been a, it's been a weird six months or so with Project Restart coming back, not having much of a preseason. And then obviously he's been interrupted with his with his knee injury. His body's just not able to cope with with three games in, in six days. And you've got to trust the Southampton medical staff made that point to Ralph. And after the game, Ralph obviously said he knew it was a risk to play him. I just think that we picked up six points against Brighton and Sheffield United. And if we knew it was a risk before the game, why are we taking that risk when really we don't have to? I think, we, like you said, we could have played Walcott and Adams up front. We could have mixed it up to some degree, um, but we didn't. We chose to play him. And unfortunately, now I think we're going to miss him for some for some big games to come. And, and up next, of, of course, is Fulham away. We're already going to be without Oriol Romeu. Picked up his fifth booking of the season on Saturday. He's going to miss that. That's now an opportunity for, for Ibrahim Adalo, I think, to, to get his first start, first start. Are you looking forward to watching him in action? Obviously, I think we're going to miss Romeo because he's been exceptional all the way dating back to, to June, really. He just wanted that Christmas off. Can't blame him. He wanted Christmas <laughs> off. But no, nice him to give to give Diallo his first start. I think it, I, it's a bit similar to the Salisu situation. Mm-hmm. You want him to play, but Benderak and Steve Benderak and Vestergaard saw have been playing so well and so have Romeo and Ward-Prowse. That he has, they, both of them haven't got a look in and it is going to take an injury suspension for them to get their little run in the team. So hopefully he takes it against Fulham. Um, you know, it'll be a difficult game, obviously up against Harrison Reed, probably in that midfield. Um, but great opportunity for him. I'm really looking forward to seeing him play. I know Ralph, Ralph said he's ready. You know, he got asked straight after the, straight after the city game about him because of, the, because of that suspension. He says he's ready to go. Um, 
we spent a bit of money on him. We, we want to see him deliver. So really yeah. excited to see Diallo. Yeah, looking forward to it. Obviously, we saw him off the bench a few times. Kind of haven't seen him for a while. Um, I think just because of the nature of the, the way games have gone, he's kind of got less minutes recently. But looking forward to seeing, seeing what he can bring to the team. Big shoes to fill because I, I don't think Romeo's put in... Um, performances as consistently good uh, for yeah. us before he's been just exceptional and again against City I thought he was very very good against one of one of the best midfields in the league so he's obviously going to be a huge miss Fulham have improved slightly um, considering how poor they were at the start of the season they have improved uh, marginally I think slightly un- I didn't actually watch the game against Newcastle but by all accounts slightly unfortunate um, not to take three points uh, f- from the Newcastle game so so they're going to be tricky but back to the back to the city match. One nil at half time. Second half, some grumblings on social media that we could have been a little bit more aggressive, and and obviously against Arsenal that there was some grumblings that we could have been more aggressive playing against ten men. I think you've got to remember that on Saturday we were playing against Manchester City and the, and the quality of players that they had. What did you make of the of the second half? And and I guess the, one of the big talking points was the Sterling penalty shout popping up onto his hand. We've seen them given before. What was your take on that? Well, firstly, just on that second half, I think, like you just said, we're playing against Man City. They could have put that game out of sight in that second half. Bernardo had a couple of chances. Mara's had a great volley. Um, Fernand Torres had a shot from the right-hand side. So they, they did have chances. Let's not be mistaken. We are playing against a top-quality team. However, did have you know an opportunity with that potential handball Raheem Sterling I've watched it a few times you know I think the handball rule has changed about 15 times this season I have so genuinely no, have no idea what is handball and what is not anymore <laughs> we need our own Peter Walton just to, to bring him in he's, we don't <laughs> he's useless <laughs> he's absolutely useless so get Phil Serlis on the pod to, to discuss this one but um, I just yeah. think it's it's a bad touch and it's hit his arm so it's not one that's come from half a meter away and hit his arm and there's no no reaction. It's a bad touch and it's come up come onto his arm. In my opinion, that's a handball because you know it's it's not hit high up on his arm where they've got that line that above that's not handball anymore. It's hit his elbow. It's definitely in that zone. Um, I think we were unlucky not to get a penalty there. What did you make of it? I disagree. To be honest, I didn't. I, I thought. Don't get me wrong. We've seen we've seen penalties be given for that. And the problem is there seems to be a lack of consistency from referee to referee uh, on the VAR over what they're given and what they're not. To me, in an ideal world, that wouldn't be a penalty. I don't think penalties should be given for handball in that situation. Uh, He had no intention of doing it. It just kind of popped up and hit him on the arm. But we've seen them given. So I think we're every right to feel a little bit aggrieved that we didn't get it there. Um, Especially when you look and you combine that with the first half decision that we didn't get as well. Um, so yeah, disappointed, but at the same time, it wasn't for me, it wasn't Stonewall, it wasn't like we were, we've been mm. robbed there of a penalty decision. It's just one of those that on the day didn't go against, didn't go for us, which, which is disappointing, obviously. Um, interesting quotes from, from Pep after the great game, I thought, are kind of talking about why he thinks we've been so good this season. Uh, and this is what he said he said, Saint Southampton put a lot of players inside, they provoke you to be narrow. It becomes difficult. They don't allow you to be compact and that's why they're so good. That's why they're creating problems for other teams. Uh, and I think that sums up really why we have been successful. I mean, P- 
Pep's one of the one of the best coaches in world football. And his City side did, for all the talent they have, they did find it difficult to break us down because the way that Ralph plays is with that kind of very narrow midfield and mm. the fullbacks providing width. So I just thought that was interesting there. A bit of praise from Pep, um, who also called Romeo um, one of the best midfielders in the league this season before the game. So very complimentary about Southampton. Um, but but yeah, I mean, overall, overall very, very happy with the performance, if not the result, is the way that I would summarise. Yeah. I w- also a word on the bench. We've got nine nine substitutes on the bench now. Mm-hmm. No no Obafemi and no Jan Valerie. I think yeah. is, considering where they were last season, yeah. it, it does speak volumes. So I think they're where they are in terms of the pecking order at the moment. They're just not getting a look in, are they? Yeah. I mean, and it's not as though we've got uh, like loads of options mm. in their position. I mean, I guess up front we do, but... And Lundalu has clearly replaced Abafemi in a pecking order in terms of youth team strikers. Abafemi was was right there last season, getting starts, scoring goals for us, scored a couple of big goals for us last season, and now he's just disappeared off the face of the earth. It seems like. And then Lundalu came on. I thought he looked quite bright when he came on. Uh, tough one. I mean, we ended the game with Nathan Teller and Dan and Lundalu up front against <laughs> a City team that I don't know who. What well, they brought on Mares. They had. Fernand Torres, they got Raheem Sterling, Kevin De Bruyne. They've got about 150 million pounds worth of strikers on the pitch, and we've got Nathan Teller and Dan and Lundaloo, and we gave them a game. So I mean, that sums it up to me and just how good a performance it was. Who would you play against Fulham, and who's taking Danny Ings' spot up front alongside Shea? I thought we, I thought we were good when we went with Walcott and Adams. I mean, we've just come through a period without Danny, and we played well, and we picked up some some very very good points. Very, very good results. So I wouldn't stray too far from that that formula. I think Walcott and Adams up front look decent. I think that that then gives us options. In the number 10 position, we do have alternatives. So if Walcott does move up from, from that position up, up front, we've got Gineppo and we've got Redmond. Quick word on Redmond, because I've one of the worst cameos I've ever seen um, from a Southampton player over the last five years or so. Absolutely dreadful when he came on. I'm typically someone that defends Redmond. As we saw against Sheffield United, he has ability. Every Saints fan, I think, will admit that he has ability on his day. It's just that he's so unbelievably, he's so consistently inconsistent. It's unbelievable. Um, And then when he came on, great chance fell to him. Didn't even make contact with the ball. And then clearly on his mind, 30 seconds later, the ball gets played out to him on the left and it just rolls straight underneath his foot out for a throw-in. And he never really recovered from that, I think. Mentally, it was playing on his mind and and he didn't contribute anything for the remaining 25, 20, 25 minutes or so. So, so yeah, I think there's been a debate over that position, who should get kind of the next opportunity. Should it be Redmond? Should it be Gineppo? I understand lots of people are frustrated with Gineppo because, again, he's inconsistent. I think he's much younger. I think he's much better in terms of taking players on and being aggressive and being attacking than Redmond, who seems to slow the play down more and more now. Um, I just think we've got, we've got options there. If Ralph wants to go with Redmond, I think more likely he'd go with Gineppo at the moment and put Walcott and Adams up front. Yeah, I think it has to be Walcott and Adams up front. Um, another question for you, actually. Mm-hmm. You touched on it earlier. Ryan Bertrand didn't have his best game, did he? Mm-hmm. We spoke about him last week on the podcast. Yep. January transfer window coming up. Mm-hmm. What what areas do you think we should be looking at bringing players in? We've been heavily linked to Brandon Williams, you know, over recent months. 
I saw Zinchenko was linked to Southampton. I don't know how concrete mm. that was, but it's it's just interesting that it's another left back. So I think while while we're discussing that position, I think Ralph, you know, evidently sees that as an area that we do need a little bit of strength and depth. There's no doubt that we need competition for Ryan Bertrand. Um, I think, as I mentioned at the top, he is getting older and it does become more difficult to be an every game player, especially in Ralph's system where he he puts so much emphasis on the fullbacks providing attacking width. And you can see how good that is when you've got an attacking fullback like Kyle Walker-Peters. And to be fair, last season when we didn't have that, Bertrand was providing that at times. He, he's very, very good going forward. I just think he's slowed down a little bit this this season, maybe because he's been asked to play so much. Um, so we definitely need an option there. Brandon Williams doesn't fill me with a huge amount of enthusiasm, but I haven't really seen enough of him to uh, enough of him playing to, to kind of have a fair judgment on him. Zinchenko, I mean, he's he's looked decent every time I've watched him. Uh, been in the picture for a very very good Manchester City team. So young as well, uh, talented, good on the ball. That would be an interesting one. But for sure, left back is the one position, I think, going into January. And I would just say that, I, that on the fans forum, Martin, um, the conversation on the fans forum with Ralph and Martin Simmons, and they were talking about that probably you won't see too much uh, action in January from us, but we will be working uh, through to the summer. I just wanted to ask you, considering how good our start has been and the position in the table that we've managed to get to, do you think that might accelerate some of our plans in terms of transfers? Just because there may be an opportunity this season if we do strengthen our squad well in January to really push on for a European place. Yeah, definitely. The season's so, so strange where everyone's beating everyone and you know everyone's got their weaknesses where it is a bit of a unique opportunity to do something very good this season. Um, you know, we're not a kind of club that rushes into transfers and, you know, splashes the cash in January. We, we rarely do that. So I don't see us deviating from our strategy that much. But I think if the right opportunity comes up, we have to take it because we've given ourselves a great chance to potentially sneak into a European spot mm-hmm. this season. Um, and yeah, there definitely is a few areas of our team that, just like you just put it there, competition for Ryan Bertrand doesn't have to be someone that's going to start ahead of him, but he needs a bit of cover, doesn't he? And interestingly, I know, you know, not not a transfer target as such at the moment, but Anthony Robinson for Fulham, I've been watching when they play, he looks like a brilliant young fullback that mm. does bomb on. So, you know, he'll be a he'll be a big test for Carl Walker-Peters and whoever's playing on that right-hand side when we play them. Because whenever I watch Fulham, he just seems like he's got bundles of energy and really good going forward. So someone someone like that, you know, similar in the Carl Walker-Peters mode, I think would improve us massively. He's an interesting one, actually. I'm, I, he signed for Fulham from Wigan, I think for about £6 million, USA international left-back. He, I think it was... A year, around a, roughly a year ago when it was just kind of coming up to the January transfer window playing for Wigan and, and had a move agreed to join AC Milan I don't know if you you came across that and obviously he he, mm. he had a heart problem or something that they've discovered in the medical um, and then it that ultimately Milan backed out of the move and that dream move that he had to Syria was scrapped from Wigan to AC Milan would have been quite a quite a transfer 
And then it turned out, actually, I think that the medical was done incorrectly and that, and, and it, actually he had no heart problem. So he ended up moving from Wigan to Fulham. And, and as you said, he's been, he's been very, very good for them, a very, very good transfer. So Fulham have improved over the last couple of weeks and we have to be wary, I think, going to Craven Cottage. Uh, at the start of the season, I would have, they were just kind of playing such a strange possession-based style of football and it wasn't working. And now I think Scott Park has tweaked it slightly and they've, they've started to get more positive results. So I don't think it's going to be as easy a game uh, as it might have been, but still one we should 100% be targeting three points. Yeah, I mean, at the start of the season, I think they had Michael Hector playing centre-back, didn't they? And he was just an absolute calamity. But they seem to have changed that up. They'll obviously have that um, the centre-back who got sent off against Newcastle suspended, so maybe Hector will come back in, which would be a big boost for us. But, um, <laughs> you know, they are definitely a different team now. They play decent football. Adam Oda-Lookmans looks, you know, he's lively and he's yeah. very bright. And you've obviously got Cordova Reed on the right-hand side. There's just a lot of energy. It'll be interesting to see if they play Mitrovic. He hasn't really, you know played too well this season but you know they've they've got options Lamine will be ineligible I think won't he I think so although having said that I think he got man of the match against Newcastle he was very good did he, did yeah. he? I was I, well I was just about to say that we probably put in our in our contract that we have to play against him considering how <laughs> poor he was for us that we'd, it would be an advantage for us to play against Mario Lamina but I didn't watch the Newcastle game so maybe he was amazing no, no, I, I did. Yeah, I did watch that game, and I'm always interested to see Fulham fans' opinion on him because, like you said, he has been pretty, pretty awful. Um, but to be fair, you know, he did have a very good game against Newcastle, but they are awful themselves, aren't they? They are. Well, that's that's up next uh, the Boxing Day match uh, at Fulham. So, Jack, we'll be chatting again after that. I just wanted to to end on the fact that I thought it was interesting to see that before the game, I was critical of Man City's defence. And I thought with with Ings and Adams, we had a real opportunity to get at players like John Stones and Ruben Diaz and Kyle Walker. Um, we actually failed to score for the first time since, since losing to Palace on the opening day. But City's defence actually have been very, very good this season. Uh, no, no side has conceded fewer goals or kept more clean sheets in the Premier League than Man City. So I think just to kind of not to harp on it too much, but it was no disgrace um, losing 1-0 to, to that team. Yeah, they've changed their way of football completely, haven't they? From a really open team that does get picked off to a very compact team. So, yeah, yeah I did I did see a stat that said we haven't, we consist, consistently score at home, don't we? So it was yeah. the first time we drew a blank at home, but it was against a very, very good City team and some defenders that I need to get in my fantasy football <laughs> sharpish because I'm struggling. Well, so Jack, I just want wish you happy Christmas and to the listeners, happy Christmas as well. Um, have a good one. I know it's going to be very, very different this year, but hopefully you're able to celebrate it with family, wherever you may be. Um, and Jack, we'll chat again after the Fulham game. Sounds good, Pat. Merry Christmas and Merry Christmas, everyone.